Hello and welcome to Front Page Radio with your host, international author, broadcaster, and journalist Dan Wooding, the founder of Assist Ministries and the Assist News Service. Dan, who was born in Nigeria of British missionary parents, was raised in England and later worked for some of Great Britain's largest newspapers. He has been a journalist covering the world for some 47 years now with a focus on persecuted Christians and missions. And now, here's Dan Wooding with today's guest. So many nights I'd sit by my window Waiting for someone to sing that you will all recognize that hit from Debbie Boone, which 40 years ago this summer set a record by topping the Billboard Hot 100 chart for 10 straight weeks with the title track of her first solo album, You Light Up My Life, which eventually became the biggest hit of the 1970s. In this unique program, I'll be interviewing three members of the Boone family, Debbie, Pat and Lindy Boone Michaelis, here at Biola University, at a special aging conference, which was part of the Season of Life series, founded by gerontologist Di Patterson. The last time I saw you, Debbie, you were performing with a family in South Africa, many, many years ago. So great to have you here. Tell us a little bit about some of the secrets that you're going to share today. Well, I don't know exactly how the conversation's going to go, but we were happy to be here knowing that this Seasons of Life conference is taking place, helping people learn a lot of things. I'm at a stage where this kind of conference is appropriate to so many things. My parents are in their 80s, and I care a lot about their care as they get older, and I also care a lot about what I can do now so that my quality of life when I get to be their age will be better, and those are important things, and it takes some preparation. Now, the, the song itself, how did that come about? Did, I mean, you were part of the Boone family singers, I think, and then this, how did the song come into your... Well, 
the the family had sort of broken up the act because my older two sisters had gotten married. So we had kind of put aside the Pat Boone family show. And Mike Kerb, who was the head of the record company that we recorded for, was also involved in the soundtrack um, for the movie You Light Up My Life. And they brought the song to me and asked if I was interested in recording it, which, of course, I was, and the rest is history. <laughs> now, tell me a little bit about it. Was it, was it a one-take thing or what? No, it was not a one-take thing. In fact, there was a lot of tension in the studio, and Joe Brooks, who wrote the song, was very specific about how he wanted me to sing it. I was given absolutely no freedom, um, and that was hard. Um, but obviously something worked out all right in the end. Yeah. So it, it comes out, and how did it suddenly zoom to the top? I wish I knew I'd do it again. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it just—I think there were there was a combination of things. There's the X factor that can't be explained, and then it was a movie, so commercials were running on television for the movie, playing the song regularly, and even radio commercials for the movie. So people were inundated with this song, which had a very simple, identifiable melody, and I think that the lyric. Uh, could mean a lot of things to a lot of different people. So mm -hmm. I think there was a lot of crossover potential. Was there a lot of Christians who felt that the person you're singing about was the Lord? Uh, I don't know if they felt that in the beginning. I actually came out and said that's who I was singing it to. I had not ever expected anybody to ask me that question. Uh, so I didn't have an agenda. It was just my own interpretation of the lyric. I've done a lot of stories on um, Ryan and his terrible accident. And um, tell us, how is Ryan now? Do you, have you seen him lately? Of course. I, I see him frequently. He is doing amazingly well, especially in light of what was said, you know, uh, you know, shortly after his accident, that he would most likely be a vegetable if he survived. He's so far from that. Uh, he's learning new things every day, and my sister Lindy is my hero. She keeps him involved in every kind of new therapy, and so he's learning to walk. Um, he is delightfully funny and smart, yes. and um, he, he brings a lot of joy to a lot of people. Yeah. Now, you, you have had terrific success in your life. It, it, is it unreal when people recognize you in the street? Or I mean, how do, how do you respond to that? I'm kind of surprised these days. It doesn't happen as often as it used to when I was in the public light so much more than I am now. Uh, usually what people say to me is, do I know you? You look familiar. <laughs> Didn't you used to be Debbie Boone? Yes, yes. Uh, you, does anyone ever tell you you look like Debbie Boone? That's a big one. So how, how do you respond to that? I said I get told that often. Yeah. <laughs> do, do you long to go back to those big days or not? You know, I don't long for it. If it happened, I would enjoy it. I'm very grateful for what I've had. And as long as I still have the opportunity to sing somewhere and yeah. somebody enjoy the music I'm doing, I'm com content. What do your kids think about their mom being a pop star? I think they enjoy that part of my life um, and the fact that I've been able to be there for them, that I made choices early on where I wasn't just gone all the time. It was a juggling act, and I didn't always do it well, but I did it the best I could, and I yeah. think we've all benefited. What do they think of your music? Because today's music is very different, isn't very it? different. My kids have very eclectic taste, and because their their grandmother was Rosemary Clooney and their grandfather, Pat Boone, they love that kind of music. They yeah. love his music, they love hers, and now I do something a lot closer to what Rosemary did, and they love it. They suggest material for me. <laughs> <laughs> if 
finally, what would you like to say to maybe somebody listening to this who's a bit down, a bit depressed? They've seen success in the past and suddenly it's all gone. How, how do they keep their eyes focused on the Lord? Um, well, I think sometimes it's just a choice. You know, you can feel sort of lost and in the dark. You've got to keep reaching for the light. For the light. Um, I was reminded of a quote this morning in my own quiet time that um, people think that happy people are grateful people, but really it's the opposite. It's grateful people are happy people. Debbie, thank you so much. Thank you. I'm speaking with Pat Boone. Pat, you look amazing for 83 I'm only 76, so I'm still a kid. But tell me, yeah. how have you kept physically so and mentally so alert? Well, I'm going to tell. That's why we're here at the Seasons of Life conference. Um, I'm going to tell them in very, you know, what they call the shortest possible way. It's three things: lots of milk, lots of exercise, and a clean conscience. <laughs> the milk has to do with diet, exercise, self-explanatory. The clean conscience. Uh, that's that's related to my faith because my conscience gets dirty like anybody's, but I know where to go to have my conscience cleaned. I don't have to wear guilt. I don't have to carry anxiety. I don't have to carry stress with me. I know God lifts all this from me when I ask him to. And, and, and you know, the doctors say that so much of our physical ailments in the hospitals have psychosomatic roots. Because people are unsettled, they they don't just have guilt complexes, they're guilty. Mm -hmm. sure. <laughs> or, or inferiority complexes, in their estimation they are inferior. These things plague us, and if we can get rid of those plagues by seeing ourselves as God sees us, and that's where my faith comes in, because if I know that I've not measured up, I can ask him to forgive me, and he says he will. And I start with a clean slate every day. So physically... Uh, and spiritually, I try to stay in good health, and it works well together. Now, Elvis died so much earlier, and he was in a terrible state, and you've continued. What went wrong with Elvis, in your opinion? Well, I think a couple of things. One, you know, there's such a thing as self-programming in <laughs> your mm -hmm. life, and unconsciously, subconsciously, his mom died at 42, and sometimes it's hard for anybody, I think including Elvis, to project his own life beyond that of his mother. So he died when he was 42. But also he was aided and abetted in that by uh, doctors who allowed him to have any kind of prescription medication he wanted to sleep or wake up, to have energy, to diet. And he, was, he, was, uh, he just was a bag of... A prescription medication and they took its they took their toll on his physical health so one day one night he just didn't wake up and uh, and it was only because he had he'd been in some drug rehab not from hard drugs but from prescription drugs and so those things took their toll and uh, it's a shame because I often wonder I, I enjoy wondering what he was my friend what would we be doing together what would be doing would he still be performing like i am would he have written a two or three books like i am uh would he still be making movies playing old guys like i am um or or would he be retired i don't know but we'll never know because he and james dean and two or three other great performers died young so as far as we're ever aware of them they'll always be young there's something to be said for that but i'd rather 
be where I am. <laughs> was part of it that you listened to advice? I mean, did, did people say, look, Pat, you're going in the wrong direction? Or, I mean, because Elvis obviously didn't seem to want good advice. Well, actually, he did because uh, he asked me privately once he was when he was at the International Hotel in Las Vegas. We went back in a big walk-in closet, and uh, he said, "You know Oral Roberts?" And I said, "Yeah." He said, "I'd like to talk to him sometime." I said, "Let me give you a clue. Your name is Elvis Presley. <laughs> Call O R U in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Say I'm Elvis Presley. I'd like to talk to President Oral Roberts. In 30 seconds, he'll be on the phone." Oh, I couldn't do that. He says, "I don't know him, but." I thought maybe you could tell him I'd like to talk to him. So yeah. I said, well, I will. And I did call Oral, and, and not 30 seconds, but in two or three days, he was out there meeting privately with Elvis, who was looking yeah. for spiritual guidance and counsel and just spiritual uh, support because he grew up in a church, his mom yes. and dad, and he went to church, uh, Assembly of God Church, when he was a young boy, and they you know, enjoyed the singing and the sermons and the worship and all of it. And he missed that. And he, after shows, uh, he'd do two shows in Las Vegas or one huge concert somewhere and keep his musicians afterwards and sing gospel songs until three or four in the morning because he loved the songs and he was hungering. That's what Oral told me. Rex Humbard told me. He also met with Elvis. And he was hungering for fellowship. He didn't have much in the way of Christian fellowship. He, we invited him to Bible studies we were having in our home. Yeah. Priscilla did come eventually, but not Elvis. And uh, and the people around him were nominally Christian, but they were also curious about and into Eastern religions. They actually took Elvis to a uh, self-realization fellowship kind of meeting somewhere in Santa Monica. He was looking for guidance and, and that sense of belonging to God and to the and to fellowship with Christians. And Charlie Hodge, his guitar player, told me that Elvis was in his last days seriously considering turning his concerts into an, sort of an expanded evangelistic outreach where he would do a lot of his hit songs and then sing the gospel songs he loved and even offer some sort of an altar call for people to come to God however they perceived him or her or them to be, which was going to be very confusing to people who are Bible-oriented because it was not going to be... He was trying to incorporate everybody's religious ideas into one homogenous thing, and that is not not what Jesus said. I am the way, the truth, the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. If I'd known that Elvis was planning this, I would have certainly tried to get with my buddy and say, wait a minute, you've got to be aware that not everybody's ideas are acceptable to God. Uh, we got to go to him for his ideas Amen. and then, and, 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 you know, commit ourselves to sure. those. And I think Elvis would have gotten it. But that's just, I'm just telling Very you, he was hungry spiritually. He only got three Grammys because he and I preceded the Grammys. There were no Grammy awards, yeah. but he got three posthumously for his yeah. gospel recording. Now, those are the only gra- Grammys huh. Elvis ever got. Wow. The greatest recording artist of all time. And he only got three Grammys for his gospel music. Finally, why are you still here, Pat? I mean, all these people have 
lost their lives, and yet you're still going strong. It's got to be my relationship with God, mm-hmm. because I can't take credit for it. He gave, I was born with a healthy body, with a high IQ. I didn't have anything to do with either one. And, uh, and yet I've tried to be healthy, but I try to guide my life, as I'll share here today, by biblical principles, because they work. Right. I mean, it is a practical way to live, and I'm getting the benefit of it. <laughs> Pat, thank you so much. Okay. We're talking with the one and only Lindy. And Lindy, you, we've talked many times about Ryan. First of all, take us back to the terrible accident that he had. Well, this has been 16 years ago, if you can imagine. But um, in 2001, he fell through a skylight when he was just stepping over it. And it was on the roof of his apartment building. So he ended up falling three stories, incurring a severe brain injury. Was he just sunbathing? He wanted to. He hadn't even started doing that. That was the intention. And he and his roommate had gone up to the roof. So thankfully, his roommate was there and called 911. But it was very, very touch and go. He's been through an awful lot in the last 16 years with um, just in constant therapy and recovery from a brain injury. And he's really done so much better than anybody might have expected. Now, tell us a bit about him. I understand he was almost like a model, very good-looking, very tall. Well, a mother might think so. He, he definitely took a nice photo. And yeah. he wasn't really a model, but he was a handsome six-foot-four young man with a beautiful heart as well. When did you hear about the accident? I was in Spain, and I was on vacation, and I got a call from my sister, Debbie, letting me know that he had fallen. So we had this horrific kind of travel 24 hours to get home to be with him. Oh, dear. Mm -hmm. And when you went to the hospital, what sort of state was he in? Well, he was in a coma for at least four months. It's hard. People think you are in a coma and then you wake up from a coma, but that's not typically the case. I think more often, or at least equally, as often it's an emerging and it's a slow thing so they considered him in a coma for four months but after they considered him out of a coma he still couldn't talk or do anything on command so it was hard to tell the difference he could track with his eyes did did it seem as if there was no hope well doctors wouldn't say and so we just kind of stayed in limbo for a very long time he started to evolve uh, with some words and we knew he was in there and then he started to take bites of food and he started to smile eventually so I've kind of chronicled it all in my book Heaven Hears which I know we've talked about before how these milestones happened and um, the joy uh, was undescribable, indescribable, and we um, have just continued to work. He lives with us. Mm -hmm. Um, He speaks and he laughs and he sings and he can read, and we're in therapy all the time, so he's still in a wheelchair. He has some behavior issues from the brain injury that we continue to pray diligently about, but um, his vocabulary is amazing, his understanding is quite amazing. He just lives in the present moment. Uh, Very often with a brain injury, the short-term memory is affected. Now, I understand that you started this foundation and you were helping Mm -hmm. people with you. Tell us a bit about that. That's been going great. Ryan's Reach is our foundation. It's a nonprofit. And what we do is we do a couple of events a year and we also get grants. We've mostly helped a lot of people to continue to get therapy by giving them scholarship money to attend High Hope's head injury program. Mm -hmm. But most recently, and I don't think you may know this, we opened a group home for brain injured people. So we have four full-time residents in Tustin, 
and they're able to live together instead of being placed individually in a home, a nursing home for the elderly, and that's more conducive to their own recovery. And then we also offer respite care for families that just need a little break. So we have two beds where we can offer a short stay in our home so they can go maybe on vacation or visit another family member or something. When we went to your dad's birthday party, um, there was Larry King. Mm -hmm. And um, I remember us saying, Larry, how come you as a Jewish atheist invited people to pray for Ryan? Mm -hmm. I mean, if you don't believe, why would you have done that? And he was explaining how he he would want to basically find the truth. That's why he had so yeah. many Christians on. Right. He's Do more you, of an agnostic, I think, than a devout atheist. Yes. He's more open-minded. Right. And he's seen the power of prayer, and he knows a lot of good people who believe in prayer. So I think he's a tender-hearted man who saw what happened to a friend, who my dad is a friend. And so his grandson was in dire need of all the help he could get. And so he let us you know, go appeal to the world for sure. prayer for Ryan. Yeah. That was a lovely, lovely thing he did. Now, I, I just interviewed Johnny Erickson. She just re-released her film Johnny from 1979. And there would be times when people would say, Johnny, you know, there must be sin in your life. You, you haven't been healed properly and all this. And she said, but look, because of my disability, I've reached millions. Is that how you see it in a way with Ryan? I have learned from Ryan and maybe also through other avenues that the way to live through something like this is to stay present to the moment and not live in the what ifs, what could have happened or what may happen. But just ask God, what do you have for me today? I'm very much a believer in miracle healing and God can intervene anytime he wants. And I speak life over Ryan and I believe in the power of our words, but I'm also very receptive to how God's timing isn't our timing and he is sovereign. And I live in that uh, acceptance. That's my practice is Mm. to accept what I'm given today and trust that God wants my good and wants Ryan's good. And Ryan's soul is well. Yes. And so his physical disability or his mental shortcomings are very much in our time frame. Mm-hmm. God lives outside of time. Yeah. And in a very real way, Ryan, the eternal citizen of heaven, <laughs> is already in the kingdom of heaven in his perfect state. Yeah. So I don't know if that's making sense to you, but this is how I reconcile how I'm living with my son who hasn't been fully manifesting a full healing. Yeah. But I believe it really has happened in yeah. the realm of, of the kingdom of God. And he is well. Now, Lindy, what would you say to someone who's maybe just had a relative or a loved one uh, in a terrible accident, may not live, may live, we don't know? Mm-hmm. You've been through that. What advice could you give? Well, rather than resist it, I, I encourage people to lean in, to press in, to uh, throw themselves into yeah. God's arms and God is waiting there to wrap his arms around you. And this has been my experience. It doesn't mean you don't feel pain. It doesn't mean you don't shed tears. It doesn't mean you don't feel all the emotions he created us to feel when there's a sense of loss and the unknown. But when you absolutely abandon yourself to trusting God in it, amazing things you will you will be able to observe and witness and notice how God does show up. Mm -hmm. And it's not always in the way that we are wishing and hoping, but he does go through it with you. And that's been my experience. Finally, you're here with your dad and you're with your sister. Do do you miss the old days of the singer, the Boone family singers? I 
do. Sometimes when I get to see an old tape or video, I go, wow, that was fun. I love singing with my sisters. I got to sing with them this year a couple of times at our golf tournament for Ryan's Reach. And then also on vacation, we get to go sing at a health spa and get a vacation together. But uh, so it happens very, very rarely now. And I'm grateful for those those few times. We still enjoy singing. I think we still sound pretty good together. And the Cordettes, are you still with the Cordettes? I am still with them, but we're doing a, a, you know, fewer dates than we yeah. used to. But anytime they call me, I come. <laughs> Remind the uh, uh, maybe the younger listeners of uh, what the biggest hit was. I would say Mr. Sandman, but yeah. also you'll hear Lollipop still <laughs> these days by by the Cordettes because <laughs> I've seen that on commercials and things. So people remember Lollipop, Lollipop, oh, Lolly, Lolly, Lolly. <laughs> so I, I enjoy singing the old songs, but mostly I enjoy singing with those women because it reminds me of singing with my sisters. Sure, mm-hmm. sure. Lindy, thank you so much. Thank you. Let's go out with Pat's huge hit from 60 years ago, which he sang at the conference, Love Letters in the Sand. I'm away writing love letters in the sand. How you laughed when I cried each time. been listening to front page radio with international journalist dan wooding if you would like a free subscription to the assist news service log on to www.assistnews.net and if you would like to write to dan send an email to assistnews at aol.com tune in again for another edition of front page radio on this same station